What time is it? Game time! Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Gives it to Jenkins for the championship! Davis! Oh my god! Davis is going to run it all the way back! Auburn's going to win the football game! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a special edition of Game Time with Garrison and Garrett. I'm your host, Garrison Hardy, and as always, joining me, my co-host, Garrett Thigpen. Garrett, happy Saturday to you. We're not used to recording uh, today, but uh, here we are. Yeah, a little out of the norm, but, um, you know, uh, we're doing a college basketball preview this time around, so uh, I'm excited. I'm still at football mode at this point. Uh, basketball's not quite started up yet, but um, you know I love college basketball, so I'm ready to uh, to break down the season. As am I. Uh, but, uh, I myself, you know, have been uh, around the game of basketball for quite some time. My dad, he's been a coach for gee thirty some years now, and uh, we always watch the Cougs. Uh, Garrett, you're probably an NC State fan still. Indeed, I am. I am. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can talk about them in a sec. I, I know for Washington State, we're we're projected 11th this year in the Pac-12, so that's always a good start. Um, but, uh, yeah, just always been around the game. And then March Madness, to me, is one of the most fun atmospheres or just really just fun times in all of sports, to be frank. Just you never know what's going to happen. Always exciting. So, it just made sense for us to touch on college basketball. And without further ado, let's get into it. So uh, just kind of a refresher here of what, uh, for the folks at home, for what happened last season, uh, UConn came out of the woodwork. And uh, I mean, this was quite an impressive season for the Huskies as they would become the eventual national champions last year. Uh, they won that game in Houston by a score of 76 to 59 against just like everybody predicted, San Diego State. That was an interesting Final Four. And, uh, heck, Florida Atlantic was in that Final Four as well, uh, Garrett. Uh, uh, how did your bracket yeah. turn out, by the way? Uh, I had Florida Atlantic beating San Diego State in the Final Four. So, not great. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, pretty terrible. But it was, uh, I mean, it was exciting. You don't see a, a nine seed in the Final Four too often. So, um I mean, I wish it had been a little closer. I feel like, right. you know, it was, UConn just kind of breezed through after. I thought the first, those middle rounds, the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight had some great matchups. Mm -hmm. And, you know, upsets are really exciting. But once you get down towards the end, I feel like that happens too often where you see a Cinderella team get to the final four. And then it kind of just, I don't know, it kind of just uh, ruins it in the sense that there's not any exciting championship games. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's always nice seeing a, a, a Cinderella run and San Diego state, Florida Atlantic was a good game, yeah. um, in the final four, but the championship game, like you said, was a little bit of a snoozer. I feel like pe no one really gave San Diego state a chance and UConn just kind of ran away with it. They were so dominant, right. but, um, yeah, the hats off to them. They had a fantastic season. Um, great coaching. Um, returning a lot of players this year too, so they're gonna be a, a exciting team to watch this year as well. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, we'll be, we'll be touching on those teams uh, here in a little bit. But yeah, the, that that championship game, it, San Diego State at one point, I think they were able to cut it to ten in the second half, 
and they had gone on a little bit of a run and it seemed like oh maybe this is gonna maybe this is gonna get real interesting here as the clock starts winding down but ultimately UConn was able to go on another run and gosh that that was just an impressive squad I mean um, really Texas was the one team that jumped out at UConn in the in that tournament if I'm remembering correctly it was a pretty darn good game uh, almost almost wish uh, I think Texas and Miami Texas and Miami the, that's right that was the tight one and I think yeah people uh, that was that was an exciting side of the bracket because I like Texas and Miami and I thought both of them um, would be able to give UConn a good run but um, yeah, UConn was just too good. <laughs> no, that that was a great UConn team, and uh, a lot of guys are gone to the pros from that team. So, uh, how how does that shake out for UConn this year? So, let's shift gears now and look ahead at the twenty three twenty four basketball season. Uh, the AP poll dropped recently, so I figured I would kind of briefly touch on this and then we can kind of give our general thoughts and then from there we will move on to the conferences and we're going to do the power five conferences this time around and kind of give a brief preview of those conferences what a lot of the experts are saying uh how uh, how maybe we would rank our conferences or at least i kind of have a general idea of how i would rank them and, and we can just go from there so with the uh, top 25 kansas comes in at number one and to me, this really wasn't a surprise, Garrett, when um, uh, Hunter Dickinson transferred from Michigan. He averaged 18.5 points last year, nine boards, t- couple blocks a game. Uh, Dewan Harris, elite two-way guard. Uh, it Really, this whole Kansas roster just boasts a lot of talent. So I really wasn't surprised uh, when I saw them coming in at number one. They also have El Marco Jackson, an ESPN 100 recruit. Kevin McCollier Jr. at ten average ten point seven points a game last year. KJ Adams, he's a junior, uh, so um, or that's his name rather. <laughs> KJ Adams Jr. There we go. <laughs> Come on, guys, uh, it's tricky. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. Uh, an experienced squad, and uh, I can't not at all surprised at that number one ranking there. Yeah, I mean they're only returning. Um four scholarship players, but like you said, they got a lot of key uh, pickups, mainly Hunter Dickinson, preseason All-American. Um, yeah, just a, a dominant force down low, the number one player in the transfer portal. So uh, as soon as they picked him up, they were obviously going to be a contender. Um, you mentioned El Marco Jackson. He's going to play a huge role this season. Uh, number 20 recruit in the country. Um, yeah, and then they do have some key pieces as well. Uh, like Dewan Harris Jr., Kevin McCuller Jr., and then they got Nick Timberlake uh, transfer in, and both him and Dewan Harris, they shoot over 40% from three, so mm-hmm. they got a really good combination of outside shooting as well as a nice presence down low with Hunter Dickinson, so yeah, they're going to be a really tough team. I think that, I don't know, them or Duke are, I think, easily the top two. I don't know who I like more. I might right. like Duke a little bit more, but mm. um I mean, yeah, Kansas is just always really good. Bill Self is a great coach and had a really good season last year. Lost Arkansas in the second round, unfortunately. But um, yeah, a lot of key additions this season. And uh, yeah, I think they're easily top two with Duke in the country. Yeah, and to your to your point about um, losing to Arkansas last season, you know who would have really helped inside Hunter Dickinson uh, if they would have had a, a force or an anchor like him against Ar- an Arkansas team that, historically speaking, 
really has a lot of uh, to me Arkansas is a team that always has those six foot five to six foot nine guys that can just run like nobody's business and they run up and down the court mm-hmm. they slash to the basket so you really got to have a, a strong force inside to be able to handle that and uh, Dickinson right. is really going to help solidify Kansas's defense so um, not surprised by this number one ranking but you brought up Duke Duke's number two and Kyle Filipowski obviously his return to Durham put the Blue Devils in a close contest with Kansas for that number one spot um, potential first team All-American likely a draft lottery pick kind of guy uh, he was one of the best freshmen in the country a year ago and now you look at this potential these pro- this projected starting lineup for Duke I mean Jeremy Roach Tyrese Proctor who's who's elite in his own right Jared McCain Mark Mitchell and then of course Kyle Filipowski filling out the middle as that big he's over seven feet tall uh very skilled that so I I I totally see where you're coming from with Duke potentially fighting for that number one spot that was a that was a close call yeah I mean they were pretty solid last season they had some injury issues down the stretch uh lost to Tennessee in the second round but they won the ACC and they're returning top their top four scorers. You mentioned Filipowski, Roach, Proctor, and Mitchell, and so they've got all those guys coming back. Jeremy Roach is the the lone senior, kind of, I guess, being the leader of the team. Uh, but Kyle Filipowski is another preseason All American, um, just uh, one of the best players in the country down low, just a dominant force as well, mm-hmm. like Hunter Dickinson. But um, then they also, you know. They got that veteran presence returning their top four scores, but then they're also adding the second recruiting class in the country and mm-hmm. a lot of just really talented. They got two five stars, Jared McCain and TJ Power, uh, the 14th and 17th ranked recruit in the country. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're just loaded from all over. They've got a perfect combination of uh, talented freshmen coming in along with guys who have been there before. They they lose solid players in Derek Lively and Derek Whitehead, but um, I just think the the talent they've got coming back, combined with com- uh, combined with the recruiting class they have coming in, I think that they've probably got, in my opinion, the most talented team in the country. And it'll be a, I guess, just whether or not they can stay healthy and whether they can mesh well, and then how well John Shire is going to be, uh, be able to do that in his second season. Um, you know, that was a big storyline. Duke and UNC both losing historic coaches and right. how the programs would continue on. And uh, we saw UNC really struggle last year, but Duke, I mean, Duke was still, you know, they won the ACC and right. I think John Shire has a lot of, uh, a lot of support in Durham. So we'll see how well he can do now that he's got probably uh, like I, in my opinion, most talented team in the country, mm. but yeah, I really like Duke uh, to be the best team this year. Well, there you go from Durham. Uh, How about Purdue coming in at number three? Is this the year of the big men, Garrett? I mean, you've got, uh, we've already mentioned Hunter Dickinson. We've already mentioned um, uh, Filipowski and the arguably the number one player in the country. He won the player of the year last year, Zach Eady with Purdue. He averaged 22.9 points per game, 12.9 rebounds per game, 2.1 blocks per game. I mean, uh, it, he was one of the most dominant players in the country, and he led Purdue to that number one overall seed where they would ultimately lose to a 16 seed. Uh, I believe that was FDU, if I remember correctly. Yep. That yep. was awkward. Yeah, they, uh, 
Yeah. No, I mean, I don't know. I'm, uh, you know, I, I may have mentioned this in the uh, our football podcast. I'm pretty anti Big Ten. I think the Big Ten is gets overrated a lot, especially in basketball. Mm. Uh, so I kind of had I was of the opinion Purdue was a bit overrated last year, and I was, you know, Proof a little right. bit vindicated in their 16 loss. But I mean, uh, regardless of how overrated, I think they're no business losing to a 16 seed. Right. But yeah, I mean, Zach Ide won every award you can think of last year. He was the AP Player of the Year, won the Wooden Award. He's a preseason All American this year, a senior, um, and yeah, crazy stats. 22 points, 13 rebounds, and just a menace defensively. Really tough to deal with. But you saw them get exposed a little bit by Farley Dickinson. I mean, Farley Dickinson had nobody of any height, and I think people just assumed Purdue would dominate him down low. But um, yeah, they just had a great game plan to deal with it and play around it and was able to pull off the upset. So um, I think that's going to be the key for them is finding a way to not be so one-dimensional and, um, you know, when that's not working, just feeding it low. Can they shoot from the perimeter? I think that was probably a struggle for mm-hmm. them last season. But um, yeah, I mean, they're returning their top four scores, mainly E-Day. Um, not changing the roster too much. They're going to be a pretty veteran squad. Two seniors, a junior, and two sophomores in the starting five projected. Um, they're adding a few pieces. Miles Colvin, a four-star recruit coming in. He's a 6'5 shooting guard, 63rd ranked in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're getting a, a transfer in Lance Jones. Um, he's a three-star transfer, 6'1 shooting guard. So it's mainly going to be the same team that they had last year running it back for the most part. And so it's just going to be a matter of, you know, I mean, they, they came in as a number one seed last year. I don't think they're going to, you know, there's not a whole lot of room for improvement. It's going to be, you know, how well can they bounce back from that? really bad upset we saw uva go from uh losing to a uh a a 16 seed in the past and then bounce back and win the championship so it's definitely um definitely a tough task but it's been done before Mm -hmm. and it's just gonna be a mental test i think from how well can they bounce back from that but they're just gonna try and improve on last season get better and then prove it in march yeah, and uh, to your point about Purdue's shooting woes, Purdue ranked 291st nationally in three-point percentage. That was at 32.2% last season. Uh, and that's Not just, great. No, it, and it's so shocking given the attention that Edie is standing at seven foot four attracts inside and how dominant he was inside. So if you even... If Purdue even provo- um, excuse me approves improves there we go modestly in the shooting department, then I would look for Purdue to be a pretty major threat. Given this, especially like you said, they're pretty much running it back from the team last year, and um, so if they're able to improve with their three point shooting, that's the question for me. Then I look for Purdue to be right back in that one seed conversation may be challenging for the Big Ten as well. But, right. you know, Big Ten's pretty pretty loaded loaded conference, even though you may say it's, uh, you know. It's, it's very balanced, I'll say that. <laughs> I think that it's, uh, they got they do have a lot of teams that are in contention because I think that, that from top to bottom, it's a very solid conference, a lot of solid teams. I just question right. how elite a lot of those teams are. But, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a competitive conference for sure. 
Let's give. Uh, well, speaking of the Big Ten, how about Michigan State coming in at number four? Tom Izzo. He uh, obviously when your when your team has Tom Izzo, I'm going to tend to give them a nod. And this team kind of has a little bit of everything on its season's roster: experience, elite guards, depth, explosiveness. Uh, they've also got a top thirty recruit in Xavier Booker, uh, Jeremy Fears, Cohen Carr. Um, Xavier Booker, you know, he, he's a freshman, so I'm not looking for him to, you know, chase down a ton of awards necessarily on this experienced roster, but, uh, he's, you know, coming in at six foot 11, he's really going to solidify the middle of the paint there. And, you know, Michigan state that whenever you have Tom Izzo, like I said, it's just hard to count them out. And so here they come at number four. Yeah. I like Michigan state a lot. Um, I would probably pick them over Purdue to win the Big Ten. Mm. They 19-12 last season in the re- during the regular season, lost in the Sweet 16. Bit of a disappointment, but um, like you said, they're returning a lot of players, returning five of their top six scores. They lose uh they lose Joey Hauser, who averaged 14 points and seven boards a game for them. So a key loss, but um they're returning pretty much everything outside of that. So uh mainly Tyson Walker. He averaged 15 points a game. He shot 41% from three. He's going to be probably the key for them this year. Um, they're going to rely on him a lot. So I think that if he can have a big season, I, I really like Michigan State to win the Big Ten. You mentioned Xavier Booker being the main addition, um, number 11 recruit in the country. Probably not going to be, he's more of a, a prospect, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, a great athlete, a lot of natural ability, but um, like I, said, I don't know how many minutes he's going to be playing off the bat, but down the stretch, if he can improve, he's going to be huge for them as well. So, yeah, just a veteran team, returning a lot of players, a lot of talent. Like I said, Tyson Walker, um, he's going to look to be to solidify himself as one of the best players in the country. So, yeah, and uh, you know, and if, you, as long as you have a coach like Tom Izzo, obviously, uh, you're going to have a chance in the tournament. So, yeah, I like Michigan State a lot. They would be my pick to win the Big Ten. So, Michigan State potential Big Ten winner here. How about the number five team? Marquette, Shaka Smart, uh, he's got his desire. You, you know Shaka Smart teams. They always love to press. They're aggressive. They're fast-paced. Um, and uh, this year, looking at his uh, returning roster, or the projected starting lineup, that is, you've got uh, Tyler Kolick, who just a, a stud point guard, averaged about 12.9 points per game last year. They bring in Stevie Mitchell, Cam Jones, 15.1 points per game last year. David Joplin, Oso Igardo at 11.4 points per game last year. Um, so they did well in the transfer portal. Um, and this uh, this team looks like a dangerous team coming out of the Big East. Yeah, I mean, they had a fantastic season. Lost to Michigan State in the tournament, but um, they were able to win the Big East championship game over Xavier. Uh, they're returning their top two scores, like you said. And we're, yeah, they lost their third leading score, but outside of that, they're returning pretty much everyone. And yeah, they're going to be really, a really tough out. Tyler Kolick, you mentioned him. He's a preseason All-American. Um, average seven assists, 7.5 assists a game. And he's just a, one of the best playmakers in the country. His passing ability is uh, second to none. Mm-hmm. And so... And then they got Cam Jones returning. He's an elite scorer. So I think the combination of those two uh, veteran guards is going to be key for them. They're going to rely on them all season. And especially come March, I think that's what you look for in a team. 
right. you look for great guard play and to have two guys like that in the backcourt uh the talent they have the playmaking ability the scoring as well as the the veteran leadership being a, a junior and a senior um i think you know if they can stay healthy i really like marquette's chances uh come march right and uh, always a very fun play style to watch. Uh, I, I was always kind of hoping Shaka would get it going at Texas. You'd think with all the athletes that he had access to. But nonetheless, yeah, yeah. he's got it going with the Golden Eagles here. Hey, how about, uh, oh, you know, last year's champions, the Yukon Huskies coming in at number six. Uh, their first game is against Northern Arizona, and that's going to be on November 6th. Uh, so the reigning national champs, uh, they've got a, a expectations of another deep NCAA tournament run, really. And this is despite losing, you know, Adama, Sanago, Andre Jackson Jr., Jordan Hawkins, and others. Um, Donovan Klingon, he should recover from his foot injury that he had. Uh, so he should be ready to go for the season. And then uh, they've still got Alex Carbon and Tristan Newton. They're back as starters. And, of course, uh, Coach Dan Hurley. Uh, he brings in a top five recruiting class, uh, and this was led by Stefan Castle and others, and plus the addition of a Rutgers transfer in Cam Spencer. Uh, and he's a good shooter. So the projected starting lineup would look like Tristan Newton, Stefan Castle, number 15 in ESPN's 100, Cam Spencer, uh, 13.2 points per game at Rutgers, Alex Carbon, uh, Carabon, rather, and then Donovan Klingon, uh, who will provide that stability in the post. Yeah, they uh, you mentioned they lose their top two scorers in Sonogo and Hawkins. They averaged 33 points and 12 rebounds between them. Mm. But uh, yeah, returning a lot of talent still. Um, Tristan Newton's going to be the key for them. He's a, a senior guard this year. He averaged 10, 5, and 5 last season. Uh, but the problem was he, his consistency. He was only a 37% shooter. So when they're going to be relying on him uh, a lot this season, he's going to have to improve on that. But uh, he was key for them down the stretch. Yeah, he, he had 19 points in that championship game against San Diego State. He was their leading scorer. So, um, yeah, he's going to be big for them this season. And then Donovan Klingon as well, uh, mm-hmm. the big man, the seven foot three center. Uh, he was a freshman last season. Didn't play a ton of minutes. He only averaged 13 minutes. But uh, in those 13 minutes, he was able to get 1.8 blocks per game. So right. if he can get big minutes um, this season, like you mentioned, he's coming off a foot injury. But I believe he's back at practice now, and he should be good to go this year. So, um, yeah, he didn't play a ton last season, but I think they're going to be relying on him a lot this year. He should be getting probably double those minutes he got last year. So, yeah, he's just a dominant force down low, huge defensively. Um, You could see that in the tournament and then um, huge on the boards as well. So. That's going to be their main combination. And then, yeah, you mentioned a number five recruiting class in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stefan Castle coming in, five-star recruit. Cam Spencer from Rutgers. Um, he's going to try and help outside shooting. Uh, he shot 43% from three last season. So, yeah, they've got it all around. Big men down low, elite weapons outside. So, yeah, I think um, I think they've got a good shot at returning this year. Dan Hurley's proven that he's an elite coach. He's one of the best in the country. And so, yeah, I think they have all the pieces there. It's just going to be a matter of replacing the the scoring that they lost last season. But right. I think that uh, if Tristan Newton can improve on his shooting, become a little more consistent and really step up to the plate being that first option, then, um, yeah, UConn's looking really good this year. So 
stay tuned if the Yukon Huskies uh, see what kind of season they can have here. Uh, how about uh, the Cougars? No, no, not my team, not Washington State. The Houston Cougars, they check in at seventh in the country, and uh, they are actually making the jump from the AAC to the Big 12, you know, conference realignment affecting not just football, basketball as well. Um, So that might be the biggest question mark for uh, Kelvin Sampson's team this season because when I look at this roster, there's very few holes on the roster. Uh, So, I mean, uh, the projected starting lineup, Jamal Shedd, LJ Cryer, Emmanuel Sharp, Damian Dunn, and Jawan Roberts. Uh, all you know, all things considered, that this should be a an, another good season for the Houston Cougars, even though they're taking a step up here in competition. Yeah, I mean, we're used to seeing them just absolutely dominate, have like the best record in the country going into the tournament, and always get one of those top seeds. So, uh, yeah, they went thirty-one and three last season in the regular season, and then lost to Miami in the uh in the Sweet 16 but they lose their top two scores and Marcus Sasser and Jarris Walker 28 points per game between them um so that's going to be tough to replace uh they're returning Jamal Shedd and Jawan Roberts two seniors uh the average 10 points a game apiece and then they got uh, the number 22 recruiting class in the country and then uh but mainly uh, they added two key transfers in Damian Dunn and LJ Cryer. Uh, Dunn from Temple and Cryer came in from Alabama. Both of them averaged 15 points last season. Um, so they're going to play a big role in the backcourt. Um, so LJ Cryer is uh, he's a great three-point shooter, averaging 41%. The mm-hmm. key for him, though, uh, you know, Houston's identity really is on the defensive end. They play really aggressive and tough defense, and that's kind of the identity of the team. And so I think that uh, Kelvin Sampson mentioned in the offseason that that's going to be the biggest test for LJ Cryer. He's a great scorer and he's going to be their best shooter from outside. So they really need him offensively, but it's going to be tough on the defensive end because that's not really what he's known for. They've He's kind of been questioned on his defensive effort in the past. And so mm-hmm. that's going to be the test for him. If he can really commit defensively, then uh, I think that they'll be, like you said, a complete team. Uh, both offensive and defensively. So, right. yeah. And then uh, 6'6 sophomore Terrence Arsenault. He didn't play a ton last season. Only got 14 minutes a game. But he's going to be the key for them because he's probably their most talented player. He's the mm-hmm. player on their team that could go first round in the NBA draft. He's got all the talent in the world, but just a very raw player. Uh, like I said, didn't play a ton last season. But this season... Uh, with one more year under his belt, they're going to try and give him more minutes to, you know, be that difference maker. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that, um, the biggest test for them, like you said, is going to be adjusting to the big 12. You know, they're used to winning 30 games a season and just running through the regular season. Right now going into the big 12, who you're going to be playing in some of the toughest environments when you go on the road, um, a lot of quality teams, how are they going to adjust to that? But, I think they're really well coached on Kelvin Sampson. And um, as long as they're playing good defense, playing to their identity, I think they'll be fine. I don't think they're as good as Kansas. I'd still pick Kansas to win the big 12. I just don't think that they're as talented on paper, but I think that they probably are going to mesh better together and they're going to be playing better defense than Kansas. So uh, I definitely give them a chance. 
I think that right. it's kind of a two horse race in the Big Twelve between those two, but I'd still give the slight edge to Kansas just based on talent alone. Right. And I mean, historically speaking, Bill Self has been at Kansas for what, twenty years now, and they've won it seventeen times. So, I mean, it's 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 pretty hard to bet against that. So uh right. Houston, uh looking at their schedule here. Uh, they've they've got some tough out of conference games as well. So they'll take on Xavier. At, that's at Xavier on December first. They've got Texas A and M coming to town. And honestly, uh, I have Texas A and M as a dark horse to win the SEC. Uh, just mm-hmm. a very talented team, top to bottom, uh, and pro- potentially a deep tournament run in the Aggies' future as well. So that's a big game, December sixteenth. That's going to be at Houston. Um, and then, like you said, stepping into the Big 12, you know, you've got suddenly you go from having an AAC schedule to now you have Texas, you have Kansas, you have Baylor uh, all on your schedule. And they, really, the Big 12, to me, is one of the best conferences in the country before the addition of Houston. Um, right. So it, it, that's probably going to be the question for Kelvin Sampson. And say what you will about Sampson. You know, there's a lot some people out there who really aren't fans of him just because of some of his recruiting his questionable recruiting activities in the past but he always has his teams ready to play very well coached and as a basketball coach myself I honestly look for some of his coaching videos to run in practice uh for my team there you go he's he's got some good drills in there so he knows what he's doing and um I, I look like you I look for Houston to have a pretty good season this year so uh moving on those pesky Blue Jays, the Creighton Blue Jays, they find themselves coming in this year, uh, currently sitting at eighth in the AP poll. Um, it was kind of an up and down off season for Creighton. Uh, they lost starters uh, Ryan Nemhard and Arthur Columa to the transfer portal, but then he convinced uh, Baylor Shearman, Trey Alexander, and Ryan Kalkbrenner. Uh, t- they were actually considering going to the NBA draft. He got them to withdraw their names from the draft. And they're returning to Omaha. And then there's this Utah State transfer, uh, Stephen Ashworth, uh, who could fill Nemhard's shoes. And then there's Mason Miller, a Virginia transfer. Or, or excuse me, there's Mason Miller and Virginia transfer. Uh, Isaac Trott, uh, which should help offset Kalama's departure. Um, so uh, looking at this Omaha team, I mean, that that's a pretty solid roster right there. Yeah, they were a tough out in the tournament last year. They only went 21 and 12 in the regular season, but made it all the way to the Elite Eight and uh, lost to eventual finals participant San Diego State. Um, mm. Yeah, they're returning the top three scores, like you mentioned, Colt Brenner, Alexander, and uh, Shearman all re- deciding to return. Um, so a lot of veteran leadership on this team, uh, a lot of experience, and Colt Brenner is just a menace down low. He's seven right. foot one, shoots 70% from the field. He averaged 16 points, two blocks a game. Um, just dominant, dominant force down there. NC State played them in the first round, and he was just an absolute terror uh, to play against. So, And jumping in here, uh, uh, Colt Brenner, uh, this is according to makingthemadness.com. They always rank the top 100 players in college basketball. They have him at number five, so to your point. Yeah, no, he's just... Uh, He's a fantastic player. I was I hated playing against him. Um, and yeah, you mentioned losing Ryan Nimhard, but uh, you know they've got enough coming back with their top three scores. And then you mentioned uh, the Utah State transfer Stephen Ashworth. He's going to play a big role for them. The senior he averaged 16 points last season, but mm-hmm. uh, mainly his three point shooting. Shot 43 percent from three. So 
they've got elite shooting. They've got uh, a dominant force down low and cock Brenner and um, yeah, gr- just great guard play, great play down low. And Greg McDermott's proven uh, that he can, he can win games in March. So right. yeah, Creighton's going to be returning a really solid team that should be improved on last season as well. Right. So look out for those blue Jays. Uh, we now go to the sec Tennessee, man, they've jumped up nine spots here. Um, I don't know about the AP poll all the time, but, um, it, sometimes it, it seems to get it right. And, and with, I like Rick Barnes as a coach, which is where he's at at Tennessee. Um, he looking at his starting lineup here, you know, Freddie DeLeon, I think I pronounced that right. Uh, uh, this is a projected starting lineup, by the way. He was ranked number 38 in the ESPN 100. Santiago Viscovi, 12.5 points per game. Dalton Knecht, 20.2 points per game. This was back at Northern Colorado, a transfer. Uh, Josiah Jordan-James, uh, 10 points per game. And Jonas Idu, um, he comes in averaging just 5.1 points per game. But still... Uh, he's going to be a solid rim protector. I mean, he's six foot eleven, um, and that's going to help solidify uh, Tennessee's defensive front. Yeah, they uh, finished fourth in the conference last season. Lost in the Sweet Sixteen. Solid season overall, but I think that they're going to be much improved this year. Um, they're returning three of the top four scores: uh, Vescovi, Sky Ziegler, and then Josiah Jordan James. So. Um, yeah, Richard senior junior and a fifth year respectively between those guys all averaged over 10 points a game last season. So, uh, they're going to have a lot of, uh, veteran leadership, especially in the guards, uh, in the guard play. And then, um, you know, Dalton connect, I think that's how you pronounce it. The North Carolina, North Colorado transfer. Uh, he averaged 20 points a game last season, 38% from three, uh, another fifth year player. So. A lot of uh, a lot of veterans on this team, and then um, yeah, they're going to be an elite defensive team. The key for them is going to be uh, Zakai Ziegler, um, how healthy he's going to be. He tore his ACL, and so I think he's going to be back, ready to go this season. But he's going to be the key for them to uh, be elite both defensively and offensively. When he was in the, they were one of the best teams defensively in the country when he was healthy, and then they took a big drop off. Once he left, he's just, he's short. He's only a five, nine uh, point guard, but he's very aggressive and really tough to move the ball against. So yeah, look for him to be kind of the X factor on that team and uh, see how well he can come back from that ACL injury. Yeah. And uh, with Zeigler, um, when you have a, a guard like that, it just, it, it not only helps defensively, you mentioned his aggressiveness, but offensively too, uh, his ability to get into the lane and whatnot and help distribute to his teammates and uh, cause chaos there. It really seemed, you know, that that's that's kind of going to be a big key for this Tennessee team. When he played well last season, the Vols were good enough really to beat anybody with their overwhelming kind of relentless defense. And then without him, it seemed they struggled to score and lost really half of their final six games so, um, you know, he's he's going to be a massive key there. Some people are picking Tennessee to win the SEC. So, you know, a lot of people are very high on this volunteer team. So stay tuned for more on that. And then rounding out the top 10, we've got Florida Atlantic. Garrett, you had them to win it all, didn't you? 
No, I'm just kidding. Of course, of course. <laughs> no, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, the, this Florida Atlantic team really is bringing, uh, you know, everybody back. So he's he's able to keep the his coach uh, Dusty May is able to keep that core group together. Zero players entering the transfer portal or the NBA draft. FAU is uh, stepping up in competition. They're going now to the AAC, but as as a result of keeping that core together, they're going to be the favorite to win in their first season there. Uh, they won 35 games last year, made that Final Four run, uh, and bringing back all starters. I mean, shoot, uh, why, why not be high on the Owls? Yeah, I mean, they're really not losing much, like you said, returning pretty much everyone. So they're not adding too much that's going to be contributing right away in terms of transfers or freshmen coming in. Uh, it's basically going to be the same squad, just uh, trying to improve year to year. And um, yeah, they're just, um, you know, Elijah Martin, Janelle Davis, uh, two junior guards, both averaged uh, 13 points per game, 14 points in the case of Janelle Davis. Um, and yeah, just elite scores. They both shot over 44% from the field, over 36% from three. And um I think that's going to be the key for this team is going to be outside shooting. Um, you know, pretty much everyone on their starting lineup or as far as key scores go, they can all shoot it from deep. And then they've got a uh, Vladislav golden seven foot one center uh, down low. He averaged 10 points and seven boards last season for them. So uh, they've got an elite rim protector and uh presence down low as well as uh, elite shooting on the outside. And, um, you know, they really displayed that elite shooting last season in their final four run. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, they're a bit of a Cinderella, obviously last season, but with uh, just how well they played and then returning everyone this year, uh, I think they're going to have higher expectations. 10th is obviously pretty lofty for a team that was a ninth seed in the tournament last year. But um, I mean, if Dusty May can just get those guys to build on their tournament run last year, then I think that's that's a good spot for them. Right, right. Well, keep an eye out on the Owls. And now for the rest of the top 25, I figured we could just pick a couple here of teams that maybe interested either of us and talk about them briefly before we move on to the conferences here. Um, I'll jump in. And Garrett Gonzaga, they always... They're always interesting, given that they play in the WCC. I mean, you're always kind of expecting them to. They're going to be in March. You know, it, it is what it is. Right. And with Mark Few, I mean, he's an elite coach. He's just he's turned Gonzaga into one of those blue chippers, which is just an incredible accomplishment in his own right. Um, but we we brought up uh, Ryan Nimhard um, from Creighton, and he's actually transferred to Gonzaga. And he'll, uh, I'm assuming, be the starting point guard there. Um, and then they've got uh, really a solid. He uh, few reloaded. He kind of had to uh, with the with the loss of Drew Timmy, uh, Julian Strother, Razier Bolton, Malachi Smith. Uh, so we got those three transfers: Ryan Nemhard from Creighton, Graham Ike from Wyoming, and then Steel Venters from Eastern Washington. And then uh, Watson, he's been a recruit from the from the Spokane area. Actually, he'll be starting once again to provide that stability at the four spot. So, I don't know, Garrett. What what do you think of Gonzaga? It just it's every year. It seems like well, I'm sure they'll have a nice season and then lose in the second round. Like, well, what do you think? 
Yeah, I, I actually really liked Gonzaga last year. Um, I think in my brackets, I had them going pretty far. Uh, but they just ran into UConn, and UConn just demolished them. Right. But I don't know about this year. I mean, you mentioned they play in a weak conference, and they kind of just run through it every year, like Houston uh, is mm-hmm. in the past. And so, you know, I have no doubt that they'll finish with a good record. They'll probably win their conference. Um, you know, Mark Few's proven to be a great coach. They're always competitive, but I don't see them being as good as they were in the last few years. You know, they lose right. Drew Timmy, Julian Strother. They're losing their top two scorers. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Nimhard is a, a key pickup for them. He's going to have to be, you know, he's going to have to play a huge role this year. But I just don't know if they can. It's going to be a mismatch of players. They're losing a lot and they're not bringing a ton in in terms of recruits. Right. They're bringing a lot of transfers and then having some of their uh, role players from last season have to step up. I just don't know if they have the talent to really compete. I mean, like I said, weak conference, I have no doubt that they'll have a good regular season record and they'll probably get a decent seed in the tournament, but I just don't know if I can trust them. I mean, obviously we'll see how the season plays out. They may change my mind, but at this point I'm not, I would not project them to be a team uh, that makes it far in the tournament. You know, I right. wouldn't project them making it past uh, the Sweet 16 or anything. Yeah, uh, you, you brought up recruiting. Uh, they actually only have two recruits coming in, both shooting guards. Uh, Luca, I'm not going to try to pronounce that. And Dusty Strom. <laughs> <laughs> Luca's from Croatia, all right? Uh, and then D- <laughs> D- Dusty Stromer, um, he comes in as a four-star recruit as shooting guard, six foot six. Um, so I'm sure an excellent prospect, the three transfers though, Graham Ike, he was a four-star recruit, um, came, you know, at 94 from Wyoming, uh, Ryan Nimhard, also a four-star recruit, uh, when he went to Creighton and then, uh, Venters also four-star from, um, Eastern Washington. Now he's at Gonzaga. Um, so in that sense, they did reload there, but, um, but I just, I, I always question Gonzaga on that end. We'll see what they're able to come up with this season. So, uh, Garrett, is, is there anybody that jumps out to you in the rest of the top 25? Uh, not particularly in terms of making a, a run. You've got Miami in there who made a, a final fu- a final four run last season. Right. Uh, I think they'll be competitive in the ACC this year. Um I don't think, I, I think I've got them finishing third. They're losing their top two scorers and Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller. Those mm-hmm. guys combined for 31 points. Um, and then they're adding a couple key transfers like Matthew Cleveland from Florida State. But um, uh, I, I don't expect them to be, you know, one of the, I don't expect them to move into that top 10, really. I see them as kind of a second tier team in the ACC. And then you've got, you know, um, UNC. Mm-hmm. A team that was uh, consensus number one last year and then failed to make the tournament. First time that's ever happened. Whoops. So they're going to be an interesting team to watch for sure. Um, how well they'll bounce back, you know. I mean, we you, talk about Duke. When you oh, have, go ahead, go ahead. When you have a guy like uh, Armando Baycott, I mean, geez, 17.7 points per game last year, 4.6 rebounds, 2.9 assists. Um, it, he He's just a really solid option inside in the post. So... Uh, and then MakingTheMadness.com has him ranked as the number three player 
in the, the country. So interesting to see what he can do for the for the Tar Heels there. Right. Yeah, no, definitely looking forward to watching uh, what UNC can do. Yeah, Baycott coming back, um, kind of had a disappointing season last year, but he's easily, you know, like you said, they have him third. He's easily a top 10 player in the country. They get RJ Davis back, so those two will be the veteran leadership. They lose Caleb Love, mm-hmm. uh, who was, you know, a a hero in the previous tournament, but then had a really disappointing season last year. He was just an inconsistent shooter, and it might be a little bit of uh, addition by subtraction with Caleb Love because right. I think a lot of Tar Heel fans were frustrated with him and his because he would just play pretty selfishly. He was just a volume shooter, and when you have terrible percentages like he did last year it can really hurt the team he was just turning it over taking terrible shots and that's not really the unc way you could say Mm -hmm. um they like to have point guards who are really good distributors and so play elite they're they're losing caleb defense uh playmaking and um so they're losing caleb love but then they're adding uh elliot cadeau uh, a freshman coming in and that's really what he's best at is playmaking. He likes to distribute, push the ball up the court. So um, I really like UNC this year. I think they can compete with Duke for uh, an ACC title. So that's a team that I think tempered expectations for how poorly they played last season. But I think they are a team that has a chance to, you know, move into that top 10 and compete for a pretty high seed this year. Right. Oh, I like it. I like it. Uh, another team that jumps out to me for maybe the wrong reasons is Kentucky. Uh, Coach Calipari, I think, is probably got one of the warmest seats in the country at this point in time. Given that you know he had them rolling earlier in the like the early 2010s, the up till 2015 when they made their their last Final Four appearance, and then suddenly the last two seasons, Kentucky hasn't made the made the tournament, which is just. That's a no-no at Kentucky. <laughs> that right. no, we're going to be in the tournament every year, right, Coach? And uh, <laughs> if if you're not able to to pull that together, then you're in some trouble. So I think Calipari, he's under an immense amount of pressure, probably arguably the most in the country. But that being said, he did bring in the top recruiting class uh, this last season. Uh, I mean, he brought in uh, ten commits, four or five stars. And really, uh, the one that jumps out to me uh, would be um, that would be Edwards, uh, Justin Edwards. He's the number three in the ESPN 100. Uh, so, I mean, he's Calipari is always going to have the talent at Kentucky. The question is, can they put it together on the court? And some experts are pretty high on Kentucky this year. You know, um, CBS, for example, has them third, uh, finishing third in the SEC behind tech, uh, Tennessee and Texas A&M. Um, so. Could be a good a good kind of bounce back season for Kentucky here. Um, so keep your eye on the Wildcats. And then maybe a couple other teams that jump out. Villanova. Uh Villanova didn't make the tournament last year. And that that was just that doesn't happen at Villanova. What what's going on? Um they lost a lot of talent, so they kind of had to reload there. But I look for Villanova to have a bounce back this year. They stole somebody from Washington State, by the way. They stole TJ Bomba. Uh, one of our our best guards, but you know I'm mm. not bitter. Uh, so <laughs> that, that was the first time they missed the tournament since 2012 last year, and uh, so I look for Villanova to maybe at it, it may, maybe not challenge really a deep tournament run, but at least have a nice season, have a good bounce back. 
Yeah, I mean the Big East is going to be tough. You got uh, when you got teams like uh, Marquette and UConn to compete with. I don't think that right. they're on that level yet. But um, com- considering they lost first round of the NIT last year, I think they're definitely going to have a bounce back season from that. And um, yeah, I mean they're they're losing a lot, but uh, they're bringing a lot of transfers in, and uh, they're going to have a pretty veteran squad. So yeah, I, I, I like Villanova. And go back to your Kentucky point. Um, yeah, I mean, the recruiting class they got in is just absolutely ridiculous. They have three right. of the top six players in the country uh, coming in, and Justin Edwards, Aaron Bradshaw, and DJ Wagner. So, yeah, they're going to be an exciting team to watch. They're really going back to the classic one-and-done style of Kentucky with, you know, crazy talent, but can they pull off a run? I feel like as right. of years late, we haven't seen that as much uh, with, you know, those full one-and-done teams. Duke had in the recent years, hadn't had as much success with it. Mm-hmm. Kentucky hasn't either. So yeah, well there, I'm interested to see how well they do with the just crazy amount of talent they had coming in as freshmen. They got Rob Dillingham too. Uh, right. He's the 21st ranked player in the country. Uh, fifth rated point guard. He's a guy that committed to NC state and then decommitted and went to Kentucky. So uh, kind of interested to see how he does. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. His Twitter got hacked uh sometime last year and he started selling someone hacked his twitter and was selling uh ps5s from it and so he was i was dming him about <laughs> by uh buying ps5s from him obviously i knew it was hacked and it wasn't really him but just right. a, a funny story from that but yeah uh i'm def kentucky's a team that i'm definitely excited to watch this year i'm surprised that uh their odds for the winning the acc are as low as they are at mm-hmm. uh you know, Tennessee is kind of a heavy, not a heavy favorite, but almost a consensus pick to win it. And like you mentioned, Texas A&M has better odds than them. Uh, you right. said you liked them as well. But um, with the amount of talent Kentucky has, I feel like generally speaking, uh, just given the recruiting class and John Calipari's history, they're a team that you would pick number one just as a consensus to to win the, the SEC. But that's just not the case anymore. So I'm interested to see how this kind of one and done style plays out this year because i feel like yeah like i mentioned earlier in recent years it just it hasn't had the success that people felt like it once would have yeah and you you know this wasn't a topic i had in my show notes or anything like that but seeing as you brought it up that's an interesting point given how the transfer portal is essentially seeming to be the way to go going forward and and obviously i'm touching on college football here briefly but Dion sanders said it best you know well why am i gonna try to recruit a kid who's never touched who's never played college sports in his life when i've got a guy who's maybe played four years of college sports right. already has the maturity on that end why, why why wouldn't i just go pick him up and so it, it seems to be kind of a shift here in the culture of recruiting the transfer portal whatever you're like you said the one and done just doesn't seem to happen anymore duke had limited success i mean they had that jalil okafor run where they beat Wisconsin for the championship. Um, mm-hmm. But then they kind of just fell off after that. Like the, it, it, I could tell Shashevsky wasn't really, maybe he was a fan of it, but it, it just didn't seem the same. It didn't seem to have the same pageantry that his past teams did. I mean, he recruited program guys who were going to be there all four years and they were going to buy into the program and that he, he had some incredible teams that he built from the ground up and he developed and 
And then suddenly the one and done trend came in and, and that went by the wayside and he picked up Kyrie Irving who didn't Kyrie Irving only play like nine games at Duke if I'm remembering correctly. He, yeah, I think he played 10 or 11 and then got hurt and missed the rest of the season and then went pro and obviously the rest is history there. But uh, what are your thoughts on the one and done trend? I mean, is this is, is that a positive for a team? Because it my opinion that it's just tough to to build that cohesive team unit and to, tough to build an identity when you guys are essentially they're just rental players. Look, we're here because we have to be and then we're off to the NBA. Yeah, I I don't know. I think because like you said, Duke, they had a little bit of success in years past. But um, I mean, when you saw, I think they had the team with Cam Reddish, RJ Barrett and Zion, mm-hmm. you know, probably the best recruiting class of all time. And just you saw how incredible those players were. And then for them to flame out in the tournament the way they did. And then they all right. left. I feel like that kind of marked a uh, sort of an ending of an era in mm-hmm. the one and dones because, you know, I think people saw how, you know, how much of a, a lottery, a jackpot getting that recruiting class was and right. what it, what it netted them. I mean, obviously it got a lot of attention, but it just, you know, they didn't really even make it far in the tournament. Yeah. So, and then Kentucky's struggles in recent years, I feel like you're kind of seeing, uh, it's just, it's just not like you said, you got to build a cohesion and building a program seems to be more valued at this point. You know, people tried the one and done, but I think like you mentioned, uh, the transfer portal is a better way now to recruit guys. I think people are putting more emphasis on that than bringing in freshmen. So I think that's going to be the way people start to go is focusing more on the transfer portal as opposed to uh, freshmen. I've seen that with NC state. The last few years, their main additions every year are no longer freshmen. It's transfer guys. So, right. um, yeah, I think that's a good point that uh, you brought up from Dion saying, you know, why would I need a guy who's never played when I can go get a guy who's got four years under his belt? And so, right. yeah, I think that's going to be the way people start to focus over the next few years. And, you know, we tried out the one and done era, not saying it's completely over, but I think you're going to start seeing the, the quote unquote transfer era. And yeah. uh, we'll see how that plays out. I think so far it's proven to be more successful, you know, come March right. than the one and dones have. Yeah, you're you're getting a battle tested guy who's been there, done that, knows what it takes to survive on a roster, knows what it takes in the classroom, knows what it takes to be a part of a team. He's already done it for four years, so it's more of a it's more of a plug and play as opposed to. Hey, uh, here's a guy who's suddenly going from playing in these this little high school gym to you're playing in front of 19,000 at Kentucky, for example. Right. Um, it, it's and obviously the one and Duns had their successful runs. I mean, Kentucky uh, in that first go around with you know with John Wall, Demarcus Cousins, and Michael Kidd Gilchrist, they won it all. So I'm uh, or or was that the following year with Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, and uh, all those guys? Uh, I don't remember which one it was. I know they had one that had a disappointing loss. And, um, it could have been John Wall. That, now I'm saying it. <laughs> that flamed out early, but um, I'm not sure exactly who was on the championship team. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was going to bring up um, 
as far as the uh, Anthony Davis, 2012. Yeah, Anthony, the Anthony Davis team. Yeah, that was a, oof, that was an elite team. Yeah, but um, I think that part of what contributes to it is in the past. I, th- I think in general, you're seeing just the average talent level rise among all teams in the country, and so I think you gain less of an advantage now when you bring in the one and dones. Like uh, just because Kentucky's bringing in three of the top six players that I think in, you know, 20 years ago, that would be enough to really put you over the edge. But nowadays I think the average level of talent has risen to the point where it's Mm -hmm. less of an advantage when you have those top freshmen coming in. I think their talent difference isn't as big of a, it's not as big of a difference going from them to say a, a, a fifth year senior who's, uh, maybe wasn't as highly recruited coming out, but I think that the level of those guys has just risen on average to where it's it's a lot closer now to those one and yeah. done prospect uh, potential lottery NBA guys. Right, and and again, basketball is just different in that we have March Madness. So a team of a bunch of freshmen who have never been in a scenario like that where it's winner go home. And suddenly all this massive pressure is put on their shoulders. They're in front of the eyes of the world. Uh, one of the most watched sporting events in the in the world is March Madness. And it, it's just a lot of pressure. And by and large, these one-and-done teams have just gone by the wayside. And, and that Kentucky team I brought up, for example, they were 38-0 going into the game that they eventually lost. And that was the team with, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, uh, just an absolutely loaded roster. They had to come out in mm-hmm. shifts. Like there was a first unit and a second unit. Right, that, that, yeah, yeah. That's how good that team was. And they ended up losing it to a to a team that maybe didn't have those guys. March Madness is much more, that's why you see so many upsets. You'll see a team, like, you'll see a team from Corpus Christi, Texas, but all those guys are four- and five-year guys who have been playing together for quite some time who have bought into the program and are just fa- frankly happy to be playing college basketball, the game that they love, and they come together, and it's it's tough to handle, even if you have those elite athletes. Now, if in, in football, you and I talked about this. I forget in what uh, in what context we were discussing this, but football, if you've got the elite athletes versus a team that – well, yeah, we've played together. That doesn't matter quite as much. I mean, at the end of the day, those right. that five star running back is going to run you over. You know, if you're at this one, right. one star, it, it is what it is. Um, but basketball, yeah. I mean, those doesn't matter as much. Go ahead. I was just say, yeah, especially when it comes to like the offensive line, when you just get those, you know, elite offensive linemen who are uh, they're just physically so much more dominant. And that's basically your entire job is to be more physically dominant than the other person. Right. Uh, it, it, it makes it, it makes a big difference. It kind of makes it hard for the, the hardworking little guy to, uh, to, to get past them. So, right. And bass. Yeah. You see it in basketball where you can have, uh, Zach I think Eady, a, a, for example, right, exactly. Um, you see situations like, like a Farley Dickinson where a great game plan and teams just being really scrappy. Uh, you saw they, they just basically, whenever Zach Eady got the ball, they just swarmed him and he, he had, I guess just wasn't prepared. He kept bringing the ball down low and they just kept swiping at it and stealing it and making his yeah. life hell. And, you know, there's just things you can do like that in basketball that make a difference and you can really, 
you know, overcome that talent difference. Whereas mm-hmm. it's harder to do, I think in football. So yeah. And like you said, marriage, marriage the, just the nature of being a, a one loss and you're out makes it really tough to, I don't know, rely on just that talent to carry you through each and every game. Right. So it's a lot more mental and it's a lot more of a, or discipline driven and coaching as well. That's one of the main factors I would say. Right. Right. So there, there's our random tirade on the transfer portal versus the one and dones. Interesting, interesting topic. We, we might have to get, uh, we'll have to get Jay Billis or, um, a Jeff Fryer, uh, new contact that I made for us. Stay tuned folks. Um, Okay. So we kind of went through the top 25 and some teams that interested us in the top 25. Now let's shift focus to the conference side of things. And Garrett, I don't know about you, but to me, when I look at the conferences here, uh, let's just start with maybe the best conference. Like, is it Big 12? Is it Big 10? Is it SEC, ACC? I mean, those are the four that jump out to me. Or Heck, maybe you could even throw in the Big East. I I, I, may, I honestly didn't do a ton, a whole ton of prep work on the Big East this one, but uh, they, <laughs> they, they won the championship last year with UConn, and they've still got some elite programs with Marquette in there as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on what, you know, how you judge best conference. Are you going by the deepest, judging them by their, their worst teams? Are you just going by who has the most elite teams? Because I think if that's the case, then the Big East does have a good, uh, you know, reason to be in the conversation. I mean, they've got Marquette, Crate, and Connecticut. Those are those are three top mm-hmm, ten teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they've definitely got a case when it comes to that. Uh, as far as you know, who has it all? Who has elite teams? Who's a deep conference? Um, it's it's tough. I think the Big Twelve has a really good case because. Uh, you know, they've got elite teams like Kansas and Houston who could both vie for being the best team in the country. Uh, and then you've got guys back behind them, like Texas or TCU Baylor, who could be dark horses. And then, uh, I just think that that's a, it's a deep conference overall. And then of course the big 10 is always deep, but, um, and then, you know, the ACC is an interesting one. They had such a down year last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, some people, by some metrics, they were they were not even in the top five. They had uh they were like seventh, I think, according to one metric I saw. So Man. I think they're they're gonna be a lot improved this year. Uh what hurt them last year was the lack of elite teams, but I think Duke has solidified themselves as being one of the best teams in the country. And I think they've kind of and I think UNC is they're not they're not there yet in terms of perception nationally, but I think that they're gonna be an elite team by the end of the season. So I think UNC ACC is gonna have a big bounce back here, but um, you know, if if I just pick a best conference, I would say either probably either the Big East or probably the Big East or the mm, Big East or Big Twelve for me. I think those are yeah. the two best in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I would be inclined to agree with that. Uh, big Twelve, I would probably pick the Big Twelve, which and I don't do that lightly. Uh, I think the Big East, I mean, it's got an incredible crop of talent. Uh, it's incredibly elite. And then Villanova, you could throw them back into the mix. Uh, just they're they're going to be better this year. Um, so you got, you got UConn, you got Marquette, you got Creighton, Nova. Uh, so the Big East in its own right is going to be an incredibly challenging conference. But 
I just look at the Big 12 and the depth of that conference. I mean, Kansas, Houston, Baylor, Texas, Kansas State, TCU, all, all six of those jump out to me as, man, they could all be in the tournament, you know? Um, right. And, and, and honestly, even though these teams really uh, – like Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, BYU, Oklahoma, West Virginia, UCF, even though even though they're kind of picked the bottom half and uh, maybe not a lot of people expecting them to do a whole lot, those are still programs with a lot of tradition and a lot of toughness. Like even Iowa State, that's a team right there that I would not want to go play an away game at. And right. uh, that's that's what these big 12 teams have to face seemingly on a nightly basis BYU I don't want to go to that away game I've, I've seen that they've got like a 20,000 seat arena in their own right um so there's some tough there's just some tough environments tough teams it's a gritty conference in in my book um so I I would lean towards the big 12 but the big east right there with them uh big 10 I I would uh, I would put up there as well you know maybe maybe a close third um, especially when you got guys like Zach Eady, you know, wandering around that conference and you got Tom Izzo, I think Illinois is a team to look out for up there. So anyways, uh, that that's probably how I would round out my conferences. Yeah, I just, yeah, I, I I've said, I, I think the big Ten's generally overrated and my, my hmm. thoughts on the big 10, they're deep and they've got a lot of competitive teams, but in my opinion, they just really always, they always lack the elite teams. Uh, Purdue kind of emerged last year, but we saw how they ended up in the tournament. It just seems that every year Mm -hmm. when it comes tournament time, the big 10 just does not perform. Right. And I'm a, and again, this is a little bit of my bias of ACC versus big 10. Um, yeah. Isn't there an ACC big 10 challenge every year? There is. And the ACC dominated it for a long time, but over the last, you know, five, six years, it's been kind of the big 10 has kind of run it. Um, Mm. but you know, the ACCs have some down years, but when it comes to March, the ACC always performs, right. you know, they're always sending teams to the final four. They're uh, two years ago. I can't remember the stat, but the last two years, people have really been down on the ACC, but I don't know. They just, they show up in March better than teams like the big 10. I'm trying to jog my memory. I don't think the big 10 sent a single team to the elite eight, if I'm not mistaken. Oof. Um, but how many did they send to the Sweet 16? Oh, I know I think Michigan it was just State one. I think, was there. I think it was just Michigan State, and mm-hmm. they lost. But mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I. it depends on how you want to judge it. Um, you know, they are a competitive, deep conference, but just when it comes to tourney time, it seems like they always shrink and fade away, whereas team conferences like the ACC always seem to have someone step up, whether it's like Syracuse making a deep run, Miami. Someone always makes pit even uh, sneaking in some wins. So right. I think that if the ACC can get back mm-hmm. to having some elite teams like Duke or UNC, um, then I think that they'll re-solidify themselves as one of the best conference. And uh, the Big Ten, they just need to do it in March for me to really respect them as sure. an elite conference personally. Yeah. And and to the casual fans, you know, it when they see the ACC, a.k.a. all they care about is Duke and North Carolina – when they see those two teams, those two brands, I should say, struggle, uh, they they automatically think, "Oh, ACC is garbage." You know, right? So it's the teams, it's the people who are actually paying attention and are seeing what's happening in March and whatnot. Those 
that that's when I like you like you're saying that's when I think you can really tell how deep how talented a conference is. So right. Um, oh, we got a uh, siren going past us. But anyways, um, all right. So let's get into these conferences. And seeing as we're in somewhat agreement here about the Big Twelve, um, here is how. It, by the way, folks listening at home, these projections are put together by a ton of experts from ac- across the country. So this isn't necessarily how Garrett and I feel about it. This is just how the rankings currently have it. So the Big 12 is currently projected with Kansas winning it, their first. Baylor at number two. I'm kind of. I was kind of surprised by that one. You know, they're, they are ranked 20th, and Baylor always brings in talented recruits. But you know, we'll we'll t- talk about that in a second. Houston coming in at number three. Texas at four. Uh, Kansas and, and I honestly, I could see that ranking given that Texas they did lose. Uh, they did lose some experience there, and this is a very inexperienced Texas team, but an incredibly talented one at that. Um, Kansas State. TCU, Iowa State, Texas Tech at 8, Cincinnati at 9, Oklahoma State at 10, BYU at 11, Oklahoma at 12, West Virginia at 13. And by the way, with West Virginia, Bob Huggins is gone after uttering a slur on a radio show, and that was after a DUI arrest, so just wasn't a good look. (laughs) Not a good not a good uh, period for Bob Huggins. No, and honestly, you know, I what was I wasn't planning on talking about this either, but I'm kind of sad by that whole situation. I just, I mean, Bob Huggins was West Virginia, you know, and right. he always, he always, he put together some really fun rosters over the years. Um, it, that yeah, they they had an exciting brand of basketball, you know, press Virginia. They always played just <laughs> exciting, uh, you know, pressing you the entire game. Just they had they had their game plan, they had their identity. And they did it really well. And so, yeah. yeah, it created a lot of excitement. They just, you know, one of those brands in college basketball that you know what you're getting from every year. So, yeah, disappointing to, you know, see that go. Right. And and honestly, that's why I love college basketball in general. Just you have I, random identities like that all over the country where it's like, oh, West Virginia, they're known for this. Or back when Rick Patino mm-hmm. was at Louisville, it's like there's another team that's going to press you the entire game and play a very unique style of basketball. Um, Tom Izzo and his style, you know, at Michigan State and and the program he's built there. Virginia, you know, with the the pack, yep. the pack, Tony Bennett. Yep, that, that, that pack line defense. It is frankly sometimes ugly to watch on especially on offense but like big 10 football <laughs> exactly he's he's bringing a little taste of that to the acc uh but when the seeing the that defense execute like that it's just incredible to watch um you know some of the flash with ucla and usc uh it, you just get that in college basketball and and frankly in the nba it's all about star power seemingly Although I will say, I feel like the Spurs were one of the few teams where it was a, a team-oriented brand of basketball, and that's why right. I, I rooted for them all the time. But uh, hey, the Nuggets brought that back a little bit this past year. They play that kind of uh, that's just play more team-style basketball. That's true. I'll give it that. And, and uh, off-topic, folks. But what do you think about Nikola Jokic? It's, it's like I'm working a nine-to-five routine. Uh, <laughs> it's getting a little old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. It's funny at first. Uh, but I mean, at some point you, you, you gotta, if you're a Nuggets fan, you kind of want your, uh, your star 
cornerstone piece to want to be there. Right. Uh, I don't want to have to worry if he's just going to retire at the end of a season at, at this point in his career. But right. I mean, I, I guess as long as they're winning, they'll, they'll be okay. They'll, yeah. they'll deal with it. But <laughs> every, yeah, I don't know. Every don't press know conference, he's... he's just like down on his luck coal miner sort of thing. And it's like, <laughs> you're in the NBA, man. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, was... maybe just, I don't know. I guess he just hates being in the U S I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, great player. Great so. player. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, where were we? Oh yeah. College basketball, uh, the big 12, we just rounded out the uh, top. Uh, so that's how the 14 shakes out with the big 12 and uh, Garrett, based on those rankings, did anything jump out at you with regards to the big 12? I mean, Kansas seems yeah, to you... be the consensus. Yeah. Kansas is, uh, I think for the most part of consensus, I do question though, those rankings. So people had Baylor second. They did. I, I find that hard to believe that anyone is picking Baylor over Houston. I mean, the disrespect to Houston. Mm. Uh, I think Houston's got the second best odds from what I've seen from Vegas. But um, yeah, I mean, I think to me, Houston almost has as good a chance as Kansas. I would put them right behind there. I'd still put pick Kansas, like I said earlier, just on talent alone. But I mean, Houston's got to be right there. Uh, right. with just how successful they've been in years past. They're returning a lot of players. Kelvin Sampson has a great track record and um, they've added some key guys as well. It's not like they're just, uh, you know, Damian Dunn and LJ Cryer. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I just think that they're, they're a really talented team as well. And uh, to me, they're, they're an easy number two pick in uh, in the big 12. I, I'd, I'd have it, you know, Kansas, Houston, Texas, and then Baylor at fourth. Mm. But yeah, that that that's my uh, opinion on the Big 12's top four. I would be inclined to agree with you there. Um, it, you know, honing in on Baylor a little bit. I mean, uh, it's not as though they're a bad team. It's just uh, you know Scott Drew, coach there. He's essentially starting from scratch on the perimeter. Uh, I mean, they've got uh, Keontae George and Adam Flagler entering the NBA draft. LJ Cryer transferred to Houston, by the way. Mm-hmm, uh, he, mm-hmm. He's bringing in two impact freshmen in Jacoby Walter, Myro Little, uh, welcomes back Langston Love, landed two high-level transfers in RJ Dennis from Toledo and Jaden Nunn from uh, Virginia Commonwealth or VCU. Jalen Bridges, he returned to Waco. Um, so, you know, there's definitely a buzz also around the freshman big, uh, Yves Missy. Um, so the projected starting five does look good. RJ Dennis, 19 and a half game or 19 and a half points per game at Toledo. Uh, he's going to be probably the starting point guard. Jaden Nunn, uh, you know, solid 10 points per game at VCU. Jacoby Walter, uh, number 14 in the ESPN 100. Jalen Bridges, 10, 10 points per game, solid rotation piece there. Um, and then, uh, Man, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. <laughs> Jonathan, <laughs> to what, you know who I know I'm which talking one you're about. looking at. Yeah, I see, I see. But uh, yeah, he's, he's a solid sure. defensive big there. Yeah, I I do like Baylor, but I mean, losing their top three scores uh, mm-hmm. in Flagler, George, and Cryer, those guys are average. I mean, the three of them combined for over 45 points a game. And, you know, elite shooters. I just think losing that, I don't know if they brought in enough to re- to replenish right. that, and that was good enough for um, third in the Big Twelve last season. And 
I just don't think it's enough to get past where Houston and Kansas are at. Um, I think they have a chance just on the fact that they're going to be a great shooting team still. Uh, They lost Cryer and Flagler, who are both 40% three-point shooters, but uh, Jaden Nunn is a 40% three-shooter himself, and uh, Ray J is 37%. I think that, um, you know, if they can be consistent from three, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of the key to making runs and upsetting teams. So right. maybe they can rely on that, but uh, I'd still, you know, I would still bet on them third just because Houston and Kansas are just, they, they are returning uh, core players as well as adding elite ones. And I just think that, you know, Baylor's just missing. They've got a few more holes that Kansas and Houston just don't have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Texas, that's an interesting one for me. Um, so Rodney Terry, uh, he took over for Chris Beard partway through last season. And so there was a lot of upheaval with that. And And for the folks at home who don't know, Chris Beard was involved in a domestic dispute uh, with a woman who was his fiance at the time. Um, and you know, I'm, I don't, I honestly don't, I would, I would have to do more research on the details of that, you know, for commenting either way, but yeah, it's still, it wasn't a good looking situation. I, I honestly don't think, um, that I, I think it was kind of blown out of proportion in some cases, but nonetheless, I, I also, you know, Texas just didn't want a part of that and they got rid of them. Um, right. So Rodney Terry, he did a great job, all things considered. Uh, guy yeah, belong yeah. wants to 29 wins, uh, Big 12 conference tournament title, no big deal, an Elite Eight appearance. Uh, but now it's the reloading process that has me concerned. So uh, they bring back Tyrese Hunter at point guard. They landed Oral Roberts transfer in Max uh, Abmus. Uh, one of the perimeters, uh, one of the uh, perimeter scorers in college basketball, or one of the best that is, uh, Dylan Mitchell, uh, taking a step forward will be key. Um, and then the through, and then of course the full season health of uh, Dylan Disu, uh, who will make a big difference inside. So their their projected starting lineup is of course Tyrese Hunter, Max Abmus, twenty one point nine points per game at Oral Roberts, uh, Dylan Mitchell, and then Dylan Disu. Uh, and then Caden Shedrick, uh, he's coming from Virginia, and he was actually a pretty solid rotational piece in that Cavaliers lineup. So, uh, pretty solid lineup there for Texas. Yeah, I really like Texas this season. Um, I don't know if I like them as much as Kansas Houston, but them and Baylor are that kind of second tier for me. Um, they lost a lot in terms of scoring, but they're also returning a lot of talented players, like you mentioned, Tyrese Hunter. Uh, and then Dylan DeSue, uh, he was key for them. Probably their best player towards the end of the season. Their last eight games, he averaged uh, 17 points and seven rebounds. So he's a senior this year. He's going to be really key for them. And then, like you mentioned, Max Abmus from Oral Roberts transferring in. Uh, one of the best scorers in the country, 22 points a game. And he shot 40% from three. He's an elite shooter. And kind of just rounds out what they need. So I really like Texas. They're similar to Baylor for me. Um, kind of that second tier in the big 12, but I think, I think I think Texas has a better shot of winning at all for me than Baylor does. Um, I think Texas just has a little more firepower with, uh, you know, great guard play 
and uh, with Abmus and Tyrese Hunter, uh, two veterans who are great, you know, elite scorers and playmakers, and you know Dylan DeSue as well, being uh, you know six nine senior, he can uh, he can score the ball as well as anyone. Great rebounder, so I think they've got it all, and I think they've got the key pieces to to make a run like they did last year. Mm-hmm. So I think overall, though, they're I'd still have them third probably. You know, them and Baylor kind of. Th- 3A, 3B for me. But uh, yeah, they're a team that I like a lot and a, a dark horse that could potentially make a run uh, for that Big 12 title. Well, there you go. Kind of a look at the uh, the Big 12 there. Kansas State and TCU kind of rounding out that top six of teams that are probably worth even looking at, honestly. Uh, well, I mean, Iowa State is always a team that interests me, at least when they're at home. Uh, it just doesn't seem like their game has historically traveled uh, when they go on the road and whatnot. So um, Kansas State, TCU, Iowa State, really those top seven teams, you can make the argument, uh, could at least be fun to watch. Um, so there's the Big 12. Stay tuned, folks. Uh, Garrett's favorite conference now, the Big 10. <laughs> yes 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 the uh the big 10 rankings uh again as reported by the experts they've got purdue finishing first michigan state second illinois they're making a jump here third maryland fourth wisconsin fifth indiana sixth northwestern seven ohio state man what a fall from grace they find themselves eighth or that's at least where the experts think they'll finish uh by the way last year uh, or uh, in years past, Ohio State has rattled off five straight 20-win seasons to begin Coach Chris Holtman's tenure. But last year, they went 16-19, and 5-15 and 15 in the Big Ten. Uh, catastroph- yeah, that was basically a catastrophe. <laughs> uh, they lost 14 of 15 league games at one point. Um, then there's Rutgers, Iowa, Michigan. Another fall from grace. Jawan Howard, he's got some explaining to do. And then they lose Hunter Dickinson on top of that. Uh, Nebraska, Minnesota, Penn State, kind of the historic bottom feeders of the conference there. So there's the Big Ten. Uh, what are your thoughts on those rankings, Garrett? Uh, to me, it's kind of a somewhat similar to the Big 12. Uh, it's kind of a two-horse race for me between Purdue and Michigan State. Um, Purdue being the mostly consensus favorite, but I actually – I would probably pick Michigan State to win it. I just think Purdue's a little bit overrated. They had a great season last year, but mm-hmm. I just don't. I'm not a believer in them, and I think Michigan State has a little more firepower. And you know, we've already talked about both those teams. Um, you know, I do think they're the two top teams in the conference, but I right. personally have Michigan State ranked first. Um, I just think that you know Tyson Walker. Um, I think he's going to be able to, you know, I think he's going to take his game to the next level and be maybe the best player in the conference. So, yeah, I really like Michigan State. And then outside of that, I think maybe Maryland could have a shot uh, as kind of a dark horse. Yeah, I, I like Maryland. Um, let me see here. They've uh, they're turning three of their top four scores. Uh, mainly Jameer Young. He's a, a fifth-year senior, averaged 16 points, five boards, three assists. And they got a really solid recruiting class coming in as well. Um, highlighting that is uh, Deshaun Harris-Smith. He's a 6'4 shooting guard, 
uh, 27th ranked player in the country coming in. And so I think they're a pretty talented team. Uh, they're, I think they're really solid. I like them a lot. Um, the key for them is going to be their shooting. They're a pretty poor shooting team. And especially, uh, you know, from three, that's kind of their weak point. And so I think if they're able to improve on that, then I think they could potentially contend for that top two. But, um, yeah, outside of that, I really don't see much in this conference that hits that elite level. I think it's pretty much just Purdue and Michigan State, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I'm I'm inclined to agree yeah, with the top two, especially. Uh, it's going to come down to them. And man, those are going to be some fun games to watch. Um, uh, I like I like I like the uh, Maryland uh, in, bit of info there. I would also point people towards Illinois. Uh, like I think Illinois could potentially have one of the best defenses in the country. Um, and then I mean, uh, you have Terrence Shannon Jr., the league's probably number two returning scorer, averaged seventeen point two points per game last season. A versatile guard and wing uh, joined uh, the proven front court. Uh, that was with Coleman Hawkins and Dane. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to say this right. Danger. No, I'm just kidding. Danger. <laughs> 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 uh, one of those two. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so anyways, those are great building blocks right there. Um, uh, but uh, they also have to, they really need to improve the grab. Uh, the, uh, they need to improve in the backcourt. Um, freshman guards uh, Jaden Epps and Sky Clark uh, didn't really pan out last season, and they both transferred out. Um, so that's leaving ample opportunity for Ty Rogers and um, Senecare Harris to step up after playing reserve roles. They got some uh, transfers as well. Utah Valley transfer Justin Harmon could be an asset at guard. He didn't really rank, though, among the league's top transfers. They got an Australian prospect in Nicolo Moretti. Uh, could also be an option. Uh, but I really like this Illinois team, especially at home. And um, it, I think, I, I don't know about you, Garrett, but it, it, basketball home games seem to carry that much more weight than maybe even football home games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just in the, the environments being packed into those arenas really do make tough places to play. And when you've got the orange crush of the Illini uh, in, in the stands, it makes it pretty hard. Um so, uh, and then Wisconsin is maybe another interesting team there. Uh, they did hit the 20-win mark last season. Uh, they, they got three victories in the NIT, um, but they, they lost 11 of their final 17 conference games um, and went one and done in the league tournament after starting 3-0 and against Big Ten foes. So, um, but they get all five starters back, uh, which is, I, I suppose, the reason for excitement there. Um, so they're going to need some offensive improvement because they've ranked 140th in offensive efficiency at Ken Palm last year in the Big Ten as, as far as field goal percentage. So um, Wisconsin could be interesting just because of the experience. Um, Indiana, you know, that I mean, that's just for the brand alone. It could be interesting. Um, but uh, they're, they're projected to go sixth. So uh, there's some more info for you there on the Big Ten. And elsewhere, let's see here, Um, Big Ten and then another conference of interest is the SEC. Now, the SEC, I think, is actually pretty darn deep, Um, but still, for you could make the—what do you think, Garrett? Would you have the SEC above the Big Ten? 
Uh, I think this year they could make that argument that they're a little bit deeper just in terms of, I really don't know who's going to win the SEC at all. The mm-hmm. Big Ten, I feel like, is a two-horse race at the top. And then I'd probably like some of these uh, some of these second-tier teams like Kentucky, Florida, uh, teams like that. I'd probably like a little more than teams like Maryland and Illinois. Sure. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of a toss-up to me. I think that they're both pretty deep, but... Um, uh, it's hard to say, honestly. The SEC might be a little bit deeper. Well, here's how the SEC preseason rankings shake out. You've got Tennessee. People like Tennessee. They've got them ranked at number one. Texas A&M, number two. Buzz Williams, former Marquette coach, by the way. Uh, Kentucky in at three. Arkansas, always a tough team at four. Bama, they're at five after a pretty fantastic season last year. Granted, it ended in disappointment, and there was some controversy off the court as well. Um, Auburn at six, and they're always a tough team. Mississippi State at seven. Missouri at eight. Florida, nine. Kind of a fall from grace from the early 2000s. Um, Ole Miss at 10. LSU, 11. Vanderbilt, 12. Georgia, 13th. And South Carolina at 14th. And weren't they in a Final Four not that long ago, within the last several years at least? South Carolina, mm-hmm. they uh, yeah, they made a final front final four run a few years back. That's been a while though. Definitely, uh, definitely not. That was a bit of bit of a Cinderella run, but yeah, no. um, yeah, a little little ways, few years removed from that for sure. <laughs> right, right. Well, well, there you have it. I think Garrett. that was twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen, correctly. Okay. So six years, time flies. Um, so that's kind of how the SEC shakes out there. Uh, really, it seemed to me at least this seems to be a race for the top uh, the with the top three teams: uh, Tennessee, Texas A and M, Kentucky. All exciting rosters, all exciting styles of play. I really like the top three of the SEC here. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, Texas A and M are all pretty uh, pretty solid teams. Um, you know, I think most people have Tennessee winning it. I don't know if I trust them as sort of a, a lock to win. Uh, like you, like you mentioned, Texas A&M, I think has a pretty good shot. Kentucky has the talent and, um, mm-hmm. you know, they're a bit of a wild card. I could see them. I would not be surprised if Kentucky kind of runs away with it and, and wins the conference. But yeah, this one's real. I mean, this is just really really tough to uh to pin down um right i think you've got a lot of teams that are really all close together um auburn you could even throw in there alabama as well um yeah i I really don't know what to make of this one i'd i'd probably pick tennessee as a safe just they probably have the best chance to win it right um but i would throw kentucky in as a wild card I, i i think kentucky has a really good shot to win it as well it's just I don't see one team really pulling away from the pack in this one. Yeah, yeah, it, it all all just pretty solid teams in that, especially the three to six jumble. You know, like Arkansas, mm. Alabama, Auburn. All of those teams are teams that I wouldn't necessarily want to run into. Um, as, right. And uh, Bruce Pearl has really turned Auburn into a really tough place to go play basketball. Um, Very much so, yeah. In the last three years, I mean, you've got uh, Bama winning the regular season in 2020. They won the the uh, 2021 uh, 
tournament as well uh, for the SEC. Then you've got Auburn and Tennessee, uh, Auburn winning the regular season, Tennessee the tournament. Uh, and then last year, Bama winning the regular season and the tournament. Um, so it's it's really actually been uh, quite spread out uh, the last couple of years as far as you know some some variety as far as teams winning it and whatnot. Um, that I yeah. I really like. I really I gotta say I I like Texas A and M. I mentioned it earlier, but I think they're kind of a dark horse here. And heck, I think they're a dark horse Final Four kind of team. Um, I mean, wow. Buzz Williams, it, you know, he's placed himself on a list of coaches who have guided at least three different schools to the NCAA tournament. Uh, when he took the Aggies there last season, they went 15-3 and three in the SEC. Four starters from that team are back. Most notably, Wade Taylor, a six-foot guard. Uh, he averaged 16.3 points per game, 3.9 assists, almost two steals a game as a sophomore, while scoring at least 25 points a game in four different games uh, then there's Tyrese Radford uh, a six foot three guard he's uh, the other returning double digit scorer he averaged 13 a game um, it, so it, they're just a I think they're a pretty deep team and they're aggressive Buzz Williams he's another one of those coaches who likes an aggressive tempo um, and the the Aggies athleticism as well um, could could just help push them over the top um, looking at their lineup here Wade Taylor, the fourth, he'll be the starting point guard. Tyrese Radford at the other guard. Jace Carter, uh, he averaged 16.6 at UIC, whatever that stands for. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then there's Henry Coleman, the third, um, and Julius Marble uh, will round out that front court. Both of them were around 10 points a game. So, yeah, I really like this Texas A&M team. Uh, Will they, you know, go to the Final Four? You know, I I can't say for certain, but um, I, I think they're a really solid club. Yeah, no, I know. I, I do like Texas a and Like you said, they're returning a lot, and they've got great guard play. Wade Taylor and Tyrese Radford, veteran guards who with elite scoring potential. Um, and I think that's that's just key in college basketball. So I, I do like Texas A&M. Um, they're definitely one of those teams I would kind of throw in that top tier of any of them could win it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I would probably go, you know, them, Kentucky. I like Alabama as a dark horse personally mm. i think a lot they're they're not as they're not ranked as highly because they lost a lot obviously brandon miller being the main guy that they lost right um but they got a ton of transfers in this year they got the number five transfer class um they got grant nelson latrell right aaron estrada they've got a ton of guys coming in so they're reloading and i think they've got you know i think they have a lot of talent as well they mm-hmm. won it last year obviously um disappointing end losing in the sweet 16 um and then again they're not gonna have brandon miller but um i think they reloaded really well and they're gonna have another great season so yeah i think there's just a lot of teams in this conference that could compete for it that it's really hard to to pick one team to stand out and uh be the favorite right i agree a lot of interest in the sec folks this season going forward um oh you might know a little something about this conference garrett the acc um, oh, best college of basketball. I mean, best conference <laughs> of basketball. Kind oh, of. Oh goodness. Well, we've we've got the rankings, or at least what the experts say here. Uh, preseason projections. Duke, the the uh, the favorite there. North Carolina comes in at number two. Miami at three. Clemson. Clemson at four. I mean, they, that is a veteran core. We can talk about that in a second. Uh, Virginia at five. 
Wake Forest at 6, Virginia Tech 7, and here's NC State at number 8. Woo! Uh, Florida State, ninth, and this is after they went 9-23 and 23 last season. Uh, Pitt comes in at 10, Syracuse 11, Boston College 12, Georgia Tech 13, and Georgia Tech, by the way, they kind of made a splash this offseason by hiring Damon Stoudemire away from his position with the Boston Celtics to replace uh, Josh Pastner. Uh, Louisville, what a fall from grace. They went at one point, I think yeah. they were 4-28 and 28 last season at one oh, yeah, point. They're, they're terrible. Oof, that's so bad. And that that used they used to be honestly I I honestly considered them at least close to one of those blue blood programs you know, um, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. just tough tough they're they're at fourteen, and Notre Dame at fifteen Notre Dame is in rebuild mode right now they they lost pretty much all of their starters um, so yeah they did they did hire Penn State's basketball coach last season so you know trending in the right direction maybe but full rebuild in South Bend. So there's the ACC. Uh, Garrett, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think you've got Duke kind of as the runaway top-tier team. I don't think uh, any other teams are kind of in their tier. So, yeah, I like Duke as uh, the first tier. And then in the second tier, I think you've got, in my opinion, probably UNC by themselves. I think they're a clear-cut number two team. I think they have potential to compete with Duke. They've got, you know, Baycott and R.J. Davis returning. Um, Elliot Cadeau is going to be a great addition for them running the running it with RJ Davis. So I think they're gonna have some of the best guard play in the country as well as, you know, one of the best big men in Baycott. So I think they've got it all, um, great transfers in and Cormac Ryan, Harrison Ingram from Stanford. So yeah, I really like UNC. I think they have potential to compete with Duke, but I just don't think they, you know, coming off last season, Baycott had a poor performance. They're losing obviously key contributor in Caleb Love. So we'll kind of have to see with them how they're going to mesh with new additions and new roles in their offense. But right. uh, I definitely think they have potential. And so I've got them as kind of a in a second tier of their own. And then to me, I think that rounding out teams that can compete for the title is Miami and Virginia, I think, are in that third tier. I don't think Clemson's quite there. Um, to me, Miami, they're losing Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller, but they're returning really key pieces still with Nigel Pack and Norchit Omie, uh, two juniors who combined for 26 points per game last year. And then they add Matthew Cleveland transfer from Florida state, very talented mm-hmm. player. He averaged 14, seven and five last season. So I like Miami a lot. UVA is a tough one because I think a lot of people are going to write UVA off because they're losing five of their top seven players. Right. Um, really only Reese Beekman returning uh, as far as, you know, players who played significant minutes last season. And then they're really just going to be relying on four transfers coming in. So they're going to be a whole new team and not a lot of name power, not a ton of talent. So, mm-hmm. I have them here just out of respect for Tony Bennett and the system. You know, he right. seems to eat regardless of the talent on the team. He's always got a solid team that does well in the regular season. So um, I've got them in the top four in that third tier with Miami as teams who could compete. But um, I think that's about it. I think after that, yeah. you've got a few teams like NC State, Clemson, Virginia Tech, Um kind of on the outside looking in, I don't expect any of them to really 
you know, make a run at the title. But I think that those are all teams that are kind of on that fringe of, uh, you know, they're looking to make the NCAA tournament. That's that's right. kind of how my top few tiers of the ACC shake out. Yeah. Um, and and that all makes sense to me. Um, and then, you know, to your point about Virginia, I think this could be a very boom or bust season for the Cavaliers just because, you know, this this is what, probably one of the least experienced teams that Tony Bennett's got since he took over back in 09. Um, right. Just, just a lot of uncertainty. But like you said, his system, I mean, I, I remember speaking from personal experience at Washington State. I mean, he had... He had a bunch of unathletic players that really probably would have been, you know, another man's trash, another man's treasure. He turned that team into a, a top ten program at one point, um, where they they were challenging a lot of teams and the, frustrating a lot of teams. And um, it, you know, you, his his system can seemingly, like you said, take guys who maybe aren't the same caliber of talent as, like, say, Kentucky's pulling in, but can still turn out an effective season and really challenge for the tournament and be a tough out. So um, in that sense, yeah, I think Virginia is an interesting one. Clemson, also an interesting one. A lot of people seem to like the Tigers. Um, they, they just missed out on that NCAA tournament last year. Uh, they went 23-11, yeah. 14-6 in the ACC, which is pretty good. Um and they do return their best player from last season um, in the ACC all-conference all big man, P.J. Hall. Um, he averaged 15 a game, five, also five assists. Um, and they added one of the most experienced players from the ACC in the Syracuse transfer, uh, Joseph Girard III. Um, Girard also happens to be the leading scorer returning from the conference. So nice get there for the Tigers. But, um, yeah, so there's definitely some interesting things going on here but unlike the sec where we're both saying man i could see a lot of teams winning this conference to me it's really duke north carolina and then everybody else kind of falls below uh, you know basketball is a little tougher to predict in that sense but uh, I, I would probably say duke unc the clear favorites there with duke with the advantage yeah clemson i think is I, I like, you know, they had a good season last year, finishing third, obviously, but right. And, and but they got, they kind of got robbed. I mean, it's hard to, you know, say there's a lot of teams deserving. I think they deserved a shot in the uh, tournament, but NC State made it in, so yeah. I'm not complaining. So, <laughs> but yeah, they um, Clemson lost Hunter Tyson, um, Brevin Galloway, Ben Middlebrooks, who didn't play a huge role last season, but probably would have this year. He's at NC State now. Uh, I, I don't know. I just don't think that they reloaded enough to make it back to, you know, competing for the top three. I think they're a little bit on the outside looking in, but I do think that I like them as a tournament team this year. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they're kind of, like I said, in that fourth tier with, uh, state and tech and, um, as sort of, uh, those those will be my how many is that uh seven those top seven I think are are tournament quality teams yeah yeah um this this next conference here I feel like we can be pretty quick with because it, to me it, it's kind of a one horse race almost uh how about the Pac twelve I mean errors here's here's kind of how those rankings shake out uh, you've got uh, Arizona 
at one, USC at two, Colorado at three, UCLA four, Oregon five, Arizona State six, Utah seven, Stanford eight, Washington ninth, Cal tenth, Washington State eleventh. Woo! We're not twelfth. Oregon State twelfth. <laughs> um, you know, I feel like this is one of the most top heavy conferences that we've seen in in a while. I guess I just I'm not really as I look through the Pac-12 here. To me, it's Arizona, USC, Colorado could be interesting just from the experience factor. Um, but UCLA, Oregon, I feel like they're in that that third tier. You know, you're bringing up the ACC tier system here. I feel like Arizona clear cut one, and then USC, Colorado two, UCLA, Oregon three. Arizona State, you can maybe throw in there just because they have gone to the tournament numerous times and they've actually ups- had some big upset wins like over over Kansas randomly. Um, right. So, so, you know, you could throw maybe them in the conversation. Utah can be tough at times. Um, and a lot of people seemingly think Stanford is a little underrated and that we could see some improvement there. Uh, but right now, I, I just feel like the Pac-12 is kind of a shell of what it used to be as far as a basketball conference. And while well, it's not going to be a conference for much longer, you get the idea. Right. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, there's not a ton of teams in this conference that I love in terms of, uh, being elite. I think Arizona has the best chance, like you said. So they're kind of in that top tier. They're going to go as Caleb love goes. We talked about him leaving UNC and mm-hmm. just the inconsistency of him. He's a volume shooter you he's gonna he just wants to run down the court and jack up shots and you know we saw in the tournament run that they made two years ago that he can win you games and he can carry a team all the way to the title uh he's got that ability and that ceiling but his floor is also very very low um i mean last season he shot 30 percent from three but that's not someone you he's it's not someone you want you know shooting 10 threes a game right um but He'll do that sometimes. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how he plays now. Um, now that he's in Arizona, uh, mm-hmm. they're relying on a lot of transfers this year, like Caleb Love, Kashad Johnson from San Diego State, Jaden Bradley from Alabama. So yeah, I don't love Arizona, but I do think that just on talent, they are probably the top team. Um, the only team I see contending for that title would be usc but i think that they're a very inexperienced team as well they're going to be relying on uh uh, a lot of freshmen um boogie ellis is going to be probably their best player uh he's a fifth year player averaged 18 points a game last season pretty solid shooter as well 39 percent. i think that this team if they can get hot they've got the shooting ability to Mm -hmm. to beat anyone and make a run um but i just think that talent wise they're not at the level of arizona so but i think usc if anyone is going to knock them off uh i think they're going to be ones to do it right yeah and i i really like colorado as a team just because i feel like this is a team that uh coach tad boyle you know had kind of built the right way i feel like if you if you're going to colorado you're really buying into the program you're really buying into Boyle's system and whatnot. Uh, they they did they did hit the transfer portal a little bit uh, with uh, the addition of uh, former TCU big man uh, Eddie Lampkin Jr. He really stood out during the Horn Frogs NCAA tournament run last year. 
Um, they also brought back the uh, highest-rated recruit in school history in uh, the guard Cody Williams. He finished as the number four overall recruit in the 2023 class. Uh, the kid brother of NBA star Jalen Williams, by the way, uh, is expected oh. to play off-ball next to veteran guard K.J. Simpson. Um, so, uh, to me, I really do like this Colorado team. Uh, and honestly, I, I, I do think they're going to the tournament. And then I honestly think they could make a pretty deep run because of the talent on the roster. You know, not Elite Eight or anything like that, but maybe a, a Sweet 16 push. Um, UCLA, Oregon, they always bring in some pretty flashy recruits. But then I feel like they never really do anything with them. Uh, UCLA recently had a good run a couple years ago in that uh, interesting pandemic tournament <laughs> that we saw. Um you know, that that I thought, man, they're really going to turn the corner here. But it just, it never seemed to turn into anything in the following years. So, um, you know, just kind of an interesting time for the Pac-12, uh, to say the least. Um, Garrett, do, yeah. you, do you have anything to add? To add? Not really. I, I do like Colorado as well. I think Cody Williams is obviously a great addition at 6'8". Um, you know, very versatile. Uh, he has that ability to sort of, really impact a game on both sides of the ball so yeah and they're returning a lot of players so very veteran team so i definitely do like uh you know the mention of colorado uh i i don't know i I still like usc on arizona on talent alone but i do i do like colorado as a a third team out of the pac-12 and i I do agree with you that they're they're a tournament team for sure right um but yeah, maybe UCLA I would also throw into the conversation. But, um, yeah, I think in in all honesty, I think that like what you said at the beginning, it's a fairly top-heavy that Arizona is sort of the runaway favorite. Right, right. Well, that is the Power Five at the least. Uh, do we want to – I mean, we can briefly touch on the Big East here. Uh, it, I – I've really, it's the top three teams in that tier one. You know, you got Mark, uh, a lot of people are picking Marquette to win this conference. Uh, They got Marquette, UConn at two, Creighton at three, Nova at four, St. John's at five. And then you kind of get into the second half. You know, you got Providence, Xavier, Seton Hall, Georgetown, Butler, and DePaul. Um, But man, some really historic brands in this conference. I mean, uh, when you think college basketball, you think of Providence, Xavier, Seton Hall, Georgetown, Butler. And Butler, obviously, not exactly um, what they used to be under uh, Coach Stevens. But, uh, Garrett, as far as the Big East, uh, is it pretty much just Marquette, UConn, and Creighton for you? Yeah, I think Villanova is a has an outside chance as well. I would sort of put them as a, in a second tier by themselves i think they've separated from the rest of the pack but Mm -hmm. yeah i think marquette creighton and connecticut's kind of a toss-up as the top three in the conference i think any one of those has a great shot at winning it and i mean they're all top 10 teams i think if i had to pick one i would probably pick marquette just based on uh i think they've got probably maybe the best guard duo in the country and cam jones and tyler kolick Mm -hmm. and um yeah, I, I, I like Creighton, and I like UConn. Uh, I think I'd go Marquette 1, Creighton 2, Connecticut 3. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's really just a toss-up between those top three. And I think right. Villanova's worth a shout. I think they're a fantastic team as well. 
and it wouldn't shock me if they made a run and won it, but um, my money would be probably on Marquette at this point. Marquette Golden Eagles making a big splash here in the Big East, potentially. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, just a really quick note, looking ahead at recruiting for next year. Well, people are already talking about this. Uh, Duke, number one with five total commits. five or Four or five stars, excuse me. Uh, Cooper Flagg, uh, he was the number one rated recruit uh, out of Mount, Mount Verde. Uh, he, he got a five-star ranking, 100 rating. Uh, what, <laughs> yeah. what, what are your thoughts on uh, Cooper Flag and this, heck, this Duke recruiting class? I mean, he's easily the best player in the country. You can just, Christian just Leitner watch 2.0. <laughs> oh, I mean, he can do anything. He's attacking the rim. He's a monster, crazy athleticism, uh, can shoot the ball as well. So, yeah, people people are raving about Cooper Flag. And and how about yeah, Isaiah I mean, what Evans, been able to, by the way, at North Mecklenburg, yeah, out of, uh, Huntersville, out of Huntersville. Yeah, right down the road from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they've their recruiting class is just insane at this point already. You know, four top 20 players. Um, Yeah, they're they're going to be stacked if they can get. I think they're I mean, they're easily going to be probably the top team in the country next year. I don't know how many people will stay from the current roster. Right. They've got a lot of players who can stay They're they're still pretty young. I mean, Jeremy Roach is a senior, but Kyle Filipowski, Tyrese Proctor, Mark Mitchell are all sophomores. I would expect most, if not all of them, to leave for the NBA, possibly if they have a good year. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, if if they've got guys like McCain, Power, Stuart Foster, guys who are coming in this year, um, I mean, they're. I don't know if they're going for... I don't know how many of these guys are one and dones necessarily. We'll see how they play in their, their first year. But, right. yeah, they're building a... You know, that they're just uh, there's no drop off uh, for this Duke program since Krzyzewski left in terms of talent. People are still coming there in droves. So, right. I think the Duke mm-hmm. dynasty is here to stay. And, yeah, I think they're going to be just running the ACC for the next couple of years. Yeah, well, to that point, um, it, actually, here's how kind of how the top five rounds out for 2024. Missouri currently ranked second. They have one five star commit four four stars. North Carolina comes in at third, so they're trying to keep pace with Duke. Uh, Kansas at four. Arizona at five. They've got three commits, one five-star, two fours. Um, and then looking down the rest of the top 25, some interesting brands jumping out. Kentucky's obviously mixed in there. Clemson at 16. They've got three commits, two four-stars. Uh, USC, Purdue, Michigan State, all in there, of course. Um, so there's a quick flash of 2024 recruiting and Garrett, we just talked for two hours about college basketball. <laughs> uh, is a there a lot of, a lot of stuff there, a lot of, a lot of stuff there and a lot of stuff for us to continue to pick through as the season is approaching and just looking, uh, taking a quick scan here at the college basketball schedule. Obviously the first couple of weeks are really just about good teams playing against you know, not good teams. <laughs> um, and, oh, I pulled up the woman's schedule. That's, like, we don't care about that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, let, let's see. Yeah, the, it keeps pulling up the women's schedule. Well, I digress. Um, it, it's really just all about uh, teams early on playing against you know, some lesser competition, uh, kind of getting warmed up for the season at large. Uh, so we really won't have any big matchups 
um, for at least the, the next couple of weeks, um, honestly, heading into December um, before things really start heating up. Um, yeah, but- the first I mean, the first big matchup we're going to have is um, Arizona plays at Duke. Uh, that's going to be next Saturday, I believe next Friday, oh, next uh, Friday. November 10th. Right. So we get that. That's a, I mean, that's, you know, that's a pretty big matchup early in the season. Uh, favorite of the pac 12 uh, against the favorite of the ACC. So yeah. And it's at Cameron indoor. So mm. I mean, that'll be a tough test for Arizona. I really, I expect Duke to win that one. I expect Duke pretty much to win it with the talent they have. Any home game is kind of a, in my opinion, a lock for a win for them, but right. yeah, that's going to be a great matchup early in the season. I think that's probably the best one we're going to get as far as the early season non-conference games go. So Right. Well, stay yeah. tuned, folks. As we get closer to that game, we'll have more of an in-depth preview of how we think that game can pan out. But uh, yeah, November 10th, circle your calendar there. And other than that, it's good to have basketball back, and uh, we'll have a, sh- a football show this next week. Um, I'll, I'll actually be having a couple of Idaho vandals in studio to chat with me, Garrett. Uh, I couldn't get them in here, uh, for your works, uh, to fit around your work schedule, sadly, but, um, we will be able to lump that into our, uh, next football show here, uh, next week. And, and Hey, basketball's here to stay too. We'll be having a basketball show as well on a weekly basis. So a lot of exciting stuff here at uh, game time. You know what I'm saying, Garrett? Oh, I, I, I hear you. I'm here for it. Hmm. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of Game Time with Garrison and Garrett. Folks, uh, as always, if you could leave us a five-star review on Spotify, five-star review on Apple, uh, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, just leave us that five-star review. It really helps us out. Uh, And as always, you can find us on social media. We're on Twitter and we're on Facebook. If you could find us there and give us a follow and say hello, we'd greatly appreciate that as well. And uh, like I said, next week, we will catch you then with uh, some more new college sports content. And uh, thanks so much for your listen. And we will see you next time on Game Time.